We're in Colossians chapter 3. If, if you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to take one from um, in front of you there in the pew, in the pocket there in front of you, and, and turn to Colossians chapter 3, kind of in the, right in the middle of the New Testament, in the section of Paul's letters to the churches. You know, this song that we just sang, I'm desperate for you. Uh, I'm, I'm lost without you. Um, I hope that those two phrases gain more and more prominence in your life. Because that's saying something. As those phrases, I'm desperate without you, Lord. I'm lost without you. That's showing more and more of a dependence on your part as a believer, as a child of God, upon the Lord Jesus. And that's really kind of what's behind the letter to the Colossian church. It's all about Jesus. And it's Jesus' supremacy. And Jesus is the center of it all. And that's what we're dealing with here today. And here in this particular passage, what we're dealing with is the... uh, the outfitter of the Christian family. The outfitter. Um, you know, let me just say this to get started here. I, <laughs> we're all really grateful for our clothes. <laughs> um, and more and more, you know, if, if you, um, especially I want to mention this to young people. Um, there's, uh, there's, I guess the typical body, you know, isn't all that carved and shaped. <laughs> you know, the typical body is, is not in all that good a shape. And so it's nice to have clothes. Okay? You get my drift? And uh, here's the thing. I know that's a weird start. Okay. <laughs> Scripture gives us an emphasis on Jesus Christ being the one who gives us the robes of what? Righteousness. He covers us. Just like in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve went and made their own clothes. No, they they understood they were naked. They didn't stay that way. They went and clothed themselves wrongly as it was, they went and clothed themselves and God came along and said, no, 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 here's the clothes that you're going to wear. And so there's a, there's a bit of a, a subject matter, a theme that runs through scripture about being clothed in righteousness. And that's what Paul comes to today in this section, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And In this passage, he's talking about putting on the clothes. Putting on the clothes. And here, let's do a a very quick, brief review. Last week, Brennan spoke on, in essence, how we, we are known for our brokenness. We're known for our brokenness because we have to put off certain things. We have to put off certain things that are mentioned in, um, verses 5 through 11. Okay? 
And so we put off those things that are detrimental to our spiritual health and our spiritual growth. So we got to put off those things. And now here's this put on section. And in, in this, in this next section, five, verses 5 through 11, it's like here's, we're known for being broken. Verses 12 through 17, but more so, we're known for being what? Restored. We're known for being restored, a restored people, a saved people. And because of this, because of sections just like this in Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17, we can have great confidence in what Christ has done and what Christ is doing and what Christ will do. And so we've been outfitted with a whole new wardrobe and we're commanded in this passage, we're commanded to put it on. All right? And so, number one, we've got four main points to this passage. And we're going to try and move quickly through each one. But number one is a Christ-like attraction. These clothes that we put on, these garments that we put on are to attract uh, attention to Christ. All right? And a lot of times, in our day and age especially, clothes are put on by people to attract attention to themselves. And here, the Christian is to put on clothes that attract attention to Jesus. Alright? And we start in verse 12. And he says, and he gives a reminder here. This first part in verse 12, look at it. He says, here's a reminder of who you are. He says, so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, okay? He's just, he's giving a reminder. Here's who you are in Christ. You're chosen by God. In our story this past week in VBS, kids, you remember our story, uh, the great elephant? And when Quinn came to the point where he said, I found you, oh great elephant, I found you. And the great elephant says, no, I don't think so, I found you. The great elephant had the better perspective in the story. And in the story of life, God finds you. You got that? That's an incredible, awesome thought of a great and sovereign and loving God. Because it goes on to say, you're chosen of God. And then what are the next two descriptions? Holy. There's our robes of righteousness. When you are found by God, He gives you the robes of Christ's righteousness. Christ took your dirty, filthy rags and put them on Himself. He was the sinner in God's eyes. He, Jesus, took the punishment of our sins. And it's called the great exchange. I get His righteous robes. And so when God looks at me, He sees Christ's righteousness. Okay? And so, uh, we have these clothes. By the way, we, we won't look at it, but if you're taking notes, would you please mark down Matthew 22 verses 1 through 11, 1 through 12 in there somewhere. It's the story of the parable of the, the wedding feast, that the king calls for his son to have a wedding feast. And they call people to come, and nobody comes. So they go out in the wayside and call people to come. And so it's the poor that end up coming. But there's one guy in there that has no wedding garments on. He doesn't have the right garments on. 
And, and the king get, is furious with him. And the king sends him to everlasting punishment. What's the story about? It's about, here's heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And here's the king, God. And here's the son, Jesus. And here's the wedding feast. And there's someone there that doesn't have the right garments on. I say that because it ought to provoke and motivate you and I, if we're saying we're believers, it ought to motivate us to make sure, am I dressed in Christ's righteousness? How do I know? Okay? And so that's what we're now entering into. So we've got to the outfit under letter A, we've got five compliments to the outfit. And it's corresponding with the five things that were to be put off in verses 5 through 11. But here in, in verses 12 through 17, in verse 12 especially, he moves on. Here's the reminder of your identity, of who you are in Christ. You're chosen, you're holy and beloved. And that, oh, beloved, dearly loved, right? Don't forget that. God's chosen, you're holy and you're dearly loved. Linger on that for a while. That's who you are in Christ if you are a believer. And then he goes on here, these five compliments, if you will. It obviously coincides with what our behavior is supposed to be. It's representative of, get this, of how we treat others, not how we treat ourselves. Very important. Might be basic in, in your eyesight there, in your perception, but it's how we treat others. This clothing that we put on is about the body of Christ and, and promoting Christ. And so we start with these five things, these five compliments to your outfit, if you will. Um, a heart of compassion. Compassion. Um, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Each one of these has a reference back to Jesus. Everything in this is pointing to Jesus. So His heart of compassion Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. He saw the multitudes and he felt compassion upon them. Right? Compassion for them. Then kindness. In Luke chapter 6, verse 35, he's talking about that God is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Humility. Do we need to go very far for connecting humility to Jesus? Philippians chapter 2. Yeah? Okay? He humbled himself. He humbled himself to the point of death for you. See, he didn't just do it for a show and a display of how cool he is. He did it for someone else. He did it for God's glory and he did it for redeeming a lost mankind. Gentleness. Christ, who when in 1 Peter chapter 2, when he was reviled, what did he, how did he respond? He did not revile in return. A gentleness. And then patience. I, Bill, I think, alluded to it in his prayer. I, you know, I've been saved for a long time. And I recognize the patience of God with me when I stumble, when I fall, when I sin, when I choose to sin. Does pastor choose to sin? There's times where that happens, yeah. And I want to, I don't want to test the patience of God, so to speak, in that way. I want to keep growing and maturing in my faith 
in Christ. And, and so here are these five compliments to the outfit. And listen, all of these are strengths. What does the world say about these kind of characteristics? And the world kind of poo-poos them or puts them down and say, yeah, well, yeah, everyone in the world wants compassion because, you know, all the big stars show compassion to the, the weak and the weary in Africa. What about kindness, you know? Well, that's slipping a little. Humility? No way. No, we're not going to show humility. Show gung-ho, take charge, you know, success-oriented. Gentleness. Well, yeah, we want to be gentle, but see, all of these characteristics are strengths of Jesus. They're not weaknesses, they're strengths. And here's, here's the, the opening of the, the outfit kit, and here's what you pull out. The heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then, verse 13, moving on, under letter B, there are two proofs that this is the real deal. This is authentic now. Look at verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Okay? Connection. Here are the clothes, that you, the compliments of the, the outfit that you're putting on. And now here's proof of it. These things are all directed at other people. The compassion, the kindness, the gentleness is not for yourself and your own feel-good kind of status. I feel good that I'm Christian. You know, because i got compassion and I've got love and kindness and gentleness, all that. No, it's for others. It's for others in dealing with one another. And he says, now here in verse 13, prove it. Remember our high school graduation, our speaker? You know, prove it. Well, Paul is saying it in, in essence here. Prove it. How? By bearing with one another. Endure with one another. And forgiving one another. It implies how do you really clothe yourself? You think in your mind, this is how I ought to live? Well, now, here's, here's proof. Proof of the pudding. Here's how I deal with it. You endure. You bear with one another. Okay? Um, there's like, a, you know, you give the person the benefit of the doubt. You, um, in essence, you're overlooking things that you would, maybe in your flesh, you would, you know, get picky about and deal with. And by forgiving others of whatever grievances you may have against another, you forgive as what? As the Lord has forgiven you. And it's interesting to talk with people about that. You know, when they're having a, a struggle in interpersonal relationships, you ask them, do you know that you're forgiven? And they typically say, yes, I know I'm forgiven. Do you really? And really kind of dig a little bit in that and asking about, do you really understand you are forgiven? And trying to understand if there's guilt behind what they're doing. Because if there's guilt behind what I'm doing or what you're doing, typically I forget I'm, for, I'm forgiven. Now, there's still the need and the priority of 1 John 1, 9. If we sin, what? We confess our sins. Okay? We confess our sins. And remember that He is faithful and righteous, just to forgive us all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God. Okay? But listen, 
have you felt um, excluded at, at some point? Have you had somebody sense, uh, you sense that somebody's talked bad about you or against you? Um, you, you felt an insensitivity from others? You know, um, you feel like you've been judged wrongly? Uh, you've had someone just forget about you? Neglect you? And see, what happens is, I know, because my, my old nature kicks into gear, and I start taking a little list, and I start accounting procedures. There. I'll remember that. And I remember that. And I remember that. And you know what? When we start accounting like that, we're going against 1 Corinthians 13. Love takes what? No account of a wrong suffered. And all too often, when I start doing an accounting thing, it's against the ones that are closest to me. It's against the ones that are closest to me. And that's the nature uh, that we all are dealing with. And we've got to say, not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. Okay? And herein, when we bear with one another, when we forgive others as Christ has forgiven us, herein is the beauty of the attraction of Jesus Christ. Not that, it's not that we're so wonderful and good and kind and loving and from Fallon. It's because of Christ. In Christ I've been forgiven. In Christ we can forgive others. And there's the beauty of the body of Christ. And there's where we can really pass along God's grace. All right? Listen. You know, we, we wrap this first point up with letter C. And it's one suit. One suit. It, it amounts to... Here's this garment that we've been given. But it's really... It amounts to one suit. Look at verse 14. And beyond all these things. Beyond or above. Beyond all these things. Put on love. Which is the perfect bond of what? Unity. And when we are functioning in this way... When we have that heart of compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience, and above it all, we wrapped, we're wrapped in, in this agape love, people will see there's, a, there's something different about this people. And it is. It's pretty amazing. And it's not the people. It's Christ being made what? Being made visible. When Christ is made visible in our lives... It's amazing what God will do. So, put on love. Love is the crowning grace of life. It's the crowning grace of the Christian's life. And it's for the interaction and encounter with other people. So that you, will, you and I will mature in our faith so that when something doesn't go the way I like it or you like it, we can do what? Bear with one another and forgive each other and show a love. And, and here's that unity of the body. Jesus said in John 13, verse 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. 
even as I have loved you. And that by this, all men will know that you are my disciples as you have love for one another. So Paul calls this love the perfect bond of unity. So do you get it right here? Listen, do you get it when we have problems, which, oh, wait a minute, we don't have problems here. Do we? Yeah, we do. We encounter problems. We, somebody looked at me cross-eyed or something. Whatever it is. We have problems with one another. Remember what we said at the beginning? Here's the broken aspect of our lives. Verses 5 through 11. Broken. And here's, here's the restored part. And that's what we want to major on. Put off, put on. And here it is. The one suit of love. And where people love like this, unity will flourish. Unity will be cultivated. And we understand, yeah, disagreements will arise. But you know what? We must press on to uh, showing the attraction of Jesus Christ in our demeanor. In a sense, in how I dress. I want to dress for that kind of success. Not the world's, but for Jesus Christ. Okay? Number two. Number two, verse 15. That we have a Christ-like designer. Okay, we're talking clothes here. You know, I've got my my iron nice slacks on or whatever. Uh, nice shirt, you know, all that. There's a certain designer you might like or whatever, you know, uh, whatever company kind of thing, you know. All of us have style. It's just some are different than others. But it doesn't matter the label with the Christian life. Because we have one designer. And and here's what it is. I want you to follow this. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. There's that phrase again. One body for unity. And be thankful. Okay, so we've got a Christ-like designer. It's letter A, it's the peace of Christ. It's the peace of Christ. And it's not, listen, the idea of peace here is not to be taken as an inner feeling. How has Paul used the phrase peace of Christ in the book of Colossians? It's in, in essence to say there's been reconciliation, the work of reconciliation to bring about peace. He died and he... In dying, he shed his blood to reconcile, make peace between God and man. That's the kind of peace. He's, it's not uh, primarily referring to that, oh, I, I just feel such a peace inside my heart. It's more about peace this away with one another. This whole package here is subtly about how we function as the body of Christ. And so, Paul says it also, he mentioned it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, where Christ made peace when he reconciled everything to himself. Um, If you're taking notes, Ephesians 2, 14, Paul wrote that Christ himself is our peace because he destroyed a barrier between God and man. He destroyed the barrier. He wiped it out. And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, 
Remember this one? Blessed are the peacemakers. And you know what they will be called? Sons of God. Isn't that beautiful? What a beautiful picture. Here in the body of Christ, and Jesus says, Blessed are you who are peacemakers, for you shall be known or called sons of God. And so the idea here being that uh, peace is what rules in our hearts. That's what he's saying in the verse. There's the, the key. Letter B is the prospect of self. I bring this up because it's, a, it's like the which way will your conduct show itself when it comes to making peace? Which way, if you get burned, if you get hurt, which way will you go? Which way will you sway in showing forth yourself? Will it be that the peace of Christ will rule or will it be that Woody rules in the moment? You get that? So it's the prospect of self. Everyone knows if you're a believer, you really know when the peace of Christ is not ruling in your heart. Why? Anger. There's one. There's anger. There's anxiety. There's depression. There's uh, escape. All those things that we are so good at. And we're also good at covering them up. <laughs> Don't you get... You get that, right? <laughs> yeah? You're with me? And everyone knows when the peace of Christ is not ruling in your heart, you just stop and describe your attitude. If you're down in the dumps, maybe it's something that you're just, you're ready for a fight. Somebody looks at you cross-eyed and you're, you're, you're up in their, in, their, in their grill. And you're right there. Because I've had it. That was the last straw. And guess what? The peace of Christ is not ruling in your heart. You say, Christians act that way? Welcome to the family of God. <laughs> we're broken, but we're restored and saved. Nowhere have we been made perfect except in God's eyes. A position where He looks at us and He sees Christ's righteousness upon us. So, and it can be something, just a little tiny thing that sets you off and it shows that the peace of Christ is not ruling in your heart. So the idea is we want the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. Uh, dear brother Jack Beach and dear brother Brian Itzkin, they're doing uh, their share of umpiring this year. Okay? And you know what? They didn't make up the rules. They just keep the rules and they're out or they're safe or whatever. And that's the idea in the peace of Christ will what? Umpire your heart. A lot of times the problem is we're not being, we're not keeping our hearts soft and sensitive enough to the spirits moving about the peace of, of Christ in your life. And thus, how many, you know, each individual, if we made a line from Steve Hunter and everyone got in that line and came up here and said, here's the issues of my life and the relationship issues. There'd always be an example of, here's a broken relationship going on in, in your life, in your life, in your life, in your life, in, in everyone's lives. How important are relationships? Think about it. 
And here's the, the, the guard, the, the rule, the umpire for our hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Okay? So, ask yourself that question. Does His peace rule in my heart? And you stop and you connect to, oh, you know what? Not really because I, I did this to this person. Go and make it right. Go and deal with it. And if someone comes to you talking in that way, you, you have a, a humble heart. You, you be forgiving in it. And you, you have a, a gentleness with them. For someone to come to you and say, uh, I, we gotta talk. Right away, there's a little light going on saying, oh, we, alright, let's sit down. Let's pray. Let's get this taken care of. Okay, very quickly, write these references down. We're not gonna read them all, but, uh, Psalm 94, verse 19. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. John 14, 27. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I'll say them again. Psalm 94, 19. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. John 14, 27. And Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Some of those you are very familiar with about the peace of God. Okay, so, point number three. We move on. It's not just about having a, a a Christian attraction and a really great designer, the peace of Christ. But now we have the Christ-like, number three, the Christ-like pattern. This is the Christ-like pattern. And it's very similar to Colossians 1.28, where it says, um, very similarly, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is the pattern of your life, Christian. Here it is. And it starts with letter A. Have you welcomed the Word of God? And is it at home in your life? Just take a contrast. Is it a stranger? Is it a stranger in your heart? Or is it welcome and at home in your heart? Is it a once in a while visitor in your heart, in your life? If it's a once in a while visitor, it's not at home. You know, we try and tell our guests who come in to visit us, well, just make yourselves at home, Tim and Gail. Make yourselves at home. Well, we'd like to think they would, but it's still not home for them. We want it to be like home, but they don't come, you know, and we don't get to their place as much as we like, you know, vice versa. You make the Word of God, the Word of Christ, at home in your heart. And you welcome it. Okay? That's the idea behind richly dwell. Uh, richly. What are some of the words for richly? Abundant? Extravagant? Richly. Ooh. Okay? Plenty. How is it in your heart, in your life? Are you pulling the Word of God forth in your mind on a regular basis? Uh, like here's something going on at work. Here's something going on at home. Are you pulling that Word of God, that, the, the things that you're memorizing? You bring that out and say, I, I, I can apply that. The Lord just brought that to mind and I, I apply that verse. Okay? So, 
have welcome at home. And now the, the next two, letter B and C in your outline, these are results. The results of letting the Word of God richly dwell within us is letter B, teaching and admonishing in all wisdom. And it's not simply from the pastoral staff or the elders. It's supposed to be the one another's here. You get yourself where the Word of God is at home in your heart and you welcome it and it's richly dwelling. Well, guess what? You can share that with other people. And that's the idea of the body of Christ. Alright? It's not just up to the priest or the pope or the teaching pastor or whoever. It's a part of your responsibility. Okay? You are charged with that. Carrying that out. And then, especially, you know, especially moms and dads. It's not the church's job, it's your job. The church wants to compliment what you're doing. But mom and dad, or single mom, single dad, you go for it. You bring it up at home. Teaching and admonishing. What is that? It's teaching is explaining. Teaching is encouraging. Teaching is instructing. And admonishing is more of a thing. Here's warning. Now, kids, we've got to watch out for this. And let's remember to honor the Lord. So it's reminders. It's exhortations. Come on, you guys. Remember, that's admonishing. And then it results in what? What does the verse tell us? With what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, and when the Word of Christ richly dwells within us, we experience true worship. That ought to be what the the result is. You get the Word of God churning in your heart and mind, it results in... God is awesome. God is so good. He is so good to you. And so, it's expressed in singing. All right, Monty and Brian Itzkin and all the guys that claim, I can't sing. I know they sing. They make the joyful noise unto the Lord. Okay? But, listen, it's not any one category. Uh, Many of you recall the church worship wars. We just want hymns. We want the new songs. Hymns. New songs. And back and forth it goes. The Bible is very clear here. There's not one category. I know. I know. There's many of you that you say, why don't we sing more hymns? There's such a richness in many of the songs. And it's not just here with hymns and spiritual songs. It's with psalms. We sang a psalm today. Anyone know which one we sang? Answer? The first song we sang here this morning. What was it? Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which shall not be moved. Now, you know, yeah, I sing a lot. I hear music a lot. But get music in your heart. Get it going. Listen to the right kind of music. I've got plenty of CDs. Yeah, old CDs. I haven't made the switch. Sorry. I don't know. 
It's just CDs. I still have cassettes too. And on the cassettes, it's the old Maranatha songs, yeah? And uh, there's some CDs that you have all just all hymns. It's great. I love it. And yet, you know, just here in one instance, Noreen's, um, praise the Lord, Noreen's writing some of these little uh, songs from Scripture. It, it causes us to worship. And that's the result. And so guess what? It's not a thing of coming here and getting stirred up. Come on, worship. What's happening? We're doing it backwards. We need to spend time in the Word. Have the, have the Word of God central in our lives. Meaning Jesus. Jesus central in our lives. And then we come together to what? There we go. The, we bust open the doors for worship. We lift the roof because of worship. Why? The target in it all is Christ. Christ is the center. Just like we find here in verse 16, the Word of God is central. He, Jesus, is the star of the show. He's the theme of our song. He's the hero of the story. Let's worship Him. Okay? And we do it, here's this way, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And it's singing with what? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Okay, moving on. Point number four. Point number four. Verse 17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. This is not a separate little idea added on. This is connected to the context. Got it? And... Um, you know, now it's like in, in my wardrobe or in your wardrobe, you know, it's like here's a, you know, 20 shirts and 10 pairs of pants or oh, I don't know how many. And, you know, it's, uh, and I know some of you guys just have shorts and that's okay. <laughs> no, but um, it, it's like, isn't there one thing that you could wear for all occasions? Well, not quite. I know some of you wore shorts to the wedding yesterday, and that, yeah, that's good. Enjoyed it, you know. But in the wintertime, you need something a little more, and all. Here's what I'm getting at that your clothing is now gone versatile. It's versatile. Point number four Christ like versatility. This is an overarching, comprehensive. Uh, outfit. It's for all occasions. That's what he's saying. In everything you do. It's about Christ. In whatsoever you do. In word or in deed. Here's, where do, where do uh, our words come from? Here's our thoughts. The thought process. Now, it's like, here. okay, listen. It's quiz time. Where should our thoughts come from? <laughs> Verse 16. Build up the thought life in the Word of God. And all, all too often we build up our thought life in the world. Not in the Word of God. 
Build up your thought life in the Word of God. And that way, in whatsoever you do, whether it's in word or in deed, do it all for His honor. So letter A is in whatever you do. In whatever you do. As long as it's what? Not violating a command of God. So in whatever you do, it's, it's to be unto Him. Your deeds. What are deeds here? Your daily activities. Your work. Your leisure. Okay? Um, you say, but I can't... I, I think of this thing... Uh, some, of, you know, some of us don't sleep very well at night. Okay, well, verse 17. Here you go. In whatever you do, or don't do, <laughs> do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when you're, when, you, when you're awake and you can't sleep, do you wake up to worry? You wake up to depression? You wake up to fear? What do you wake up to? And so, spend time praying. Maybe go get some headphones and listen to some hymns, spiritual songs. Do something that relates to verse 17. In whatever you do, and then letter B is in all that he is. In all that he is. That's what it means when it says in verse 17, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Got that? And when it says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, it means everything that He is. Everything that covers Him as a, as God. As, as who He is. It's His name. It's representative of everything He is. So, you do, you do it all. Here, uh, clean your house, wash your clothes, drive your car, eat your meals, spend time with family, spend time with friends, um, by yourself, whatever it is. Do it unto the Lord. Do it under His honor. Okay? Live your life in Christ. That's the idea. That's what He's been saying in Colossians, and that's the emphasis we've got to uh, respond with. And not just that, but then with a thank, thank-filled, thankful hearts and lives. You know, if you if you work, and if I work at being thankful and just stopping to say, here's that song we just sang, 10,000 reasons. Can you come up with 10,000? We say, ah, that's, that's a little much. Well, let's start working on it. Get your family going with that project. Let's list some things why we're thankful this month. You know, coming up to July. July 4th. I'm thankful for our country. Yes, it's got a lot of problems whatsoever, you know, all that. But I'm thankful for our country. You know, I'm thankful for our history. I'm thankful for weddings. I'm thankful for birthdays. I'm thankful for anniversaries. I'll just keep going. Thankful, thankful, thankful. Okay? Now, as we head off out into this wonderful afternoon and a brand new week, right? Keep in mind and apply, not just keep in mind, but apply it, put it on, put the robe of righteousness on, put these clothes on, and understand it's, it's with purpose. 
These things are with purpose, not just Christian words. It's with purpose. It's about relationships, isn't it? Having compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. That's all about relationships. And so get that in your mind as you go into this week. Value these things. Wear them well. Okay? Wear them well. Young people, as you're growing up, put emphasis not on your body, but on Christ in you. Honor Him with your life. Okay? And yes, when the rough and hurtful things happen, bear with each other. Forgive each other. Because when the peace of Christ rules in our hearts and the Word of Christ richly dwells there, that's when Christ is honored. That's when Christ is at the center. That's when we as His people look like Him. And He's glorified. We need to close with a song.